text is found in the portion of Scripture we read in the Gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 10. We shall read again the last two verses of the chapter. Mark chapter 10, verses 51 and 52. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? (coughs) The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Amen. This same event is also recorded by Matthew and Luke. And we learn from Matthew's account that there were two blind men at Jericho. But Mark focuses on one of them. And this man that Mark is speaking of here uh, has a name. Uh, Generally, with regard to many that Christ met and blessed, we are not told their names. This man is named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, and perhaps Timaeus was a well-known man and known by many in the community, and this was his son, and his son was blind. That, of course, was something which was a grievous affliction in biblical times because there was a lack of all that we take for granted nowadays in terms of care and uh, perhaps uh, one who was blind unless the household was particularly loving and sympathetic was left very much to himself or herself. We find that with Bartimaeus that he is sitting by the highway side He was reduced to that, and he was begging. He was dependent upon alms, upon charity, from those who passed by. And yet, uh, this Bartimaeus was one of the lords. And that becomes evident in the account that we have and in the dealings of the Lord Jesus Christ with this man And there is a reminder there that the Lord does indeed look kindly upon those who may be disregarded by others, those who may not be very welcome in society, those who are notorious sinners, publicans and sinners. Christ was willing to spend time with them and especially those who had some interest in the things of the kingdom of God. We might go into some town or city in our own land. We might see some there, and they're doing much as Bartimaeus did. They're, they're sitting there on the street, and they're begging, 
And uh, often perhaps we pass them by and we might be saying to ourselves, well, how can I know if that person is genuine? How can I know if they really are in need? Perhaps we cannot tell, but we can at least stop. We can at least speak with them. And uh, you can perhaps buy them some food or something of that sort just to show that you have an interest as a Christian, as a witness for Jesus Christ, and above all, as an opening, a possibility for sharing the gospel of Christ. To seek such occasions, to make good use of them for the glory of our Lord and perhaps the good of some poor and needy soul. Well, what can we learn regarding Bartimaeus? It is especially the faith of Bartimaeus that we wish to consider and that we have in the concluding verses of the chapter. Firstly, uh, to note with the Lord's help, the knowledge Bartimaeus had. And what you discover here is that Bartimaeus knew of Jesus before he met Jesus. He knew of Jesus by reputation. We're told uh, of Bartimaeus sitting by the highway side begging when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth that Jesus was passing by. He began to cry out. Why did he do that? Because he knew something concerning Jesus, something that encouraged him to cry out. He had an understanding that Jesus of Nazareth if anyone could help him, well, it would be him. Christ's fame had gone before him. This was at the time when the Lord Jesus had uh, considerable popularity among the people. And many were drawn to follow him because of his miracles. Some were following him because of his teaching. And they were the ones, by and large, who would continue following him, who would be his disciples indeed. Bartimaeus had not uh, personally seen Christ, of course, or heard Christ, but he had heard of him, and he had a certain faith regarding him. Otherwise, why would he be crying out? when Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And perhaps we may be in a similar situation to that. Maybe that we were brought up within the church and in a Christian home and we've known about the things of God and the things concerning Christ from our very earliest years. But not all of us were like that. There may even be some here this evening. And you do not know a great deal concerning Christ, but you know something. And there's something compelling for you concerning the person of Christ and the gospel accounts of Christ. 
you have a certain sense, perhaps, that your life is not what it ought to be, your life lived in uh, the sight of God, and you have a sense that if you should continue as you are, you would not be among those who would be admitted into the heavenly glory because you have a certain sense of sin. And we need that. And it's a blessing if we have some conviction regarding our sin, a a true sight and sense of our sin, because only if we have that do we begin to seek help and to seek it in the right place. And certainly, if you seek it in the house of God, you are in the right place. And if you seek it in the name of Christ, then you are doing the right thing. We have the Bible as our witness, our testimony concerning Jesus of Nazareth. That is how we meet Christ, in the word of God and through prayer, a prayerful reading of the word of God, a prayerful hearing of the preaching of the word of God. And this is so very important, to have a right view of Holy Scripture, to believe it to be the inspired word of God and infallible. The Bible has ever been under attack and sceptical voices are raised concerning the scriptures, concerning the history and concerning the miracles, even the miracles of Christ. (coughs) But if you approach the Bible in that spirit, you will not get a blessing from it. You come to the word of God in humility, the humility of faith, believing on God's account, who himself declares that this is his word. You read, thus saith the Lord, again and again. You come to the scriptures with that spirit, desiring that the Lord may speak to you and that you may hear and heed his voice, that you might learn of God from his word. How do we view the Bible? Is it to us the book of books, from Genesis to Revelation? Every book, every chapter, every verse, every word given by divine inspiration and watched over by God with his singular care and providence so that we have in our hands here today God's precious word. We must give honor to the scriptures as the living word of the living God. And when we come to the Bible with that view and praying to the Lord that he would open the eyes of our understanding then we are in the way of getting a blessing for our souls. And above all, our desire should be in all our reading and hearing of the word of God that we would meet Jesus Christ. Christ is the divine word. Christ is the great prophet 
Christ is the Word made flesh coming into our world. And Christ, the eternal Word, is made known in the written Word. The Lord reveals himself to his people in a wondrous way when they come to the word of God and when they humble themselves before it. We do not sit in judgment upon God's word. That word sits in judgment upon us. It has authority over us. We find Bartimaeus giving honor to the Lord. He addresses Jesus uh, by a divine name. Jesus, thou son of David. And he repeats that. He has learned this title out of the Old Testament scriptures. And he is applying it to Jesus of Nazareth. And that is more than many among the Jews did. This is a title for the Messiah, the Lord's anointed of David's line, the tribe of Judah, the royal tribe. Jesus of Nazareth is recognized by Bartimaeus as the promised son of David who would sit upon the throne and his kingdom would last forever. That is why Christ came into the world. To establish the kingdom of God. Because that kingdom is established upon a sure foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ crucified for sin. On that foundation the kingdom of God, the church of God is so Bartimaeus believes that Jesus of Nazareth, according to all that he's heard regarding him, is indeed the son of David, the Messiah. So here is a blind man. He does not have his natural vision, but he understands more concerning divine truth and concerning Jesus Christ, than many in his own day and today who have their physical sight. And that tells us that the way in which we know God, the way in which we may know salvation in Jesus Christ, is not on account of our natural senses. It has to do with a spiritual sense. It has to do with faith. And all men have not faith. Faith is a divine gift. Faith is the work of the Spirit in the soul. Faith is that which God alone bestows and which the Lord is pleased to increase as his people make use of the means of grace. And God bestows it in a sovereign manner. He bestowed it upon Bartimaeus, others he passes by. Many among the Jews, a highly favored people, having the scriptures, having the worship of God in their midst. 
but proud, stiff-necked, rebellious. You think of the scribes and the Pharisees. What a different attitude they had to Jesus of Nazareth. Scorned him. They despised him. He took away the people from their grip. The common people heard him gladly. And they waited upon his word because Christ spoke with authority, not as the religious leaders. People could see the hypocrisy amongst the scribes and Pharisees, telling the people to do one thing and doing another thing themselves. And so the, the scribes and the Pharisees prided themselves on their orthodoxy and on their descent from Abraham and how they were scrupulous about the law of Moses. Yet when Christ came and he came according to the scriptures fulfilling so many prophecies of the scriptures they were blind to him and their hearts were set against him. And there you have the natural man there you have so many today. Preach Christ crucified. They will not want to hear it. If they want Christ at all. It is a Christ who will console them in their worldliness. Encourage them in their materialism and sensual pleasures. And loving the world and the things that are in the world and yet take them to heaven at the end of such an ungodly life. And Christ will never do that. The kingdom of God is a righteous kingdom. Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins, not to save them in their sins, but from their sins. This man receiveth sinners. And here is a sinner, Bartimaeus, whom Christ will receive. The knowledge Bartimaeus had, he knew of Christ by reputation. And the Lord made use even of that uh, to work in this man's soul and to give him an understanding of who Jesus was and to send up this cry uh, to Jesus, have mercy on me. Are we seeking mercy? That's the great thing. It's good to be a worshipper of God. But are we seeking mercy? And seeking it continually? Because we always come into God's presence as sinners. We're drawing near to the Holy One. Do we not feel ourselves to be utterly unworthy? And unclean and in need of the precious atoning blood of Christ to wash us even every time we approach the divine throne. Secondly, we have the request Bartimaeus made. And this brings us more particularly to the verses we have chosen. In verse 51... Uh, Jesus 
uh, speaks to Bartimaeus. And he asks a question of Bartimaeus, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And we find that very interesting. Here is Bartimaeus. His need is very obvious, is it not? He's known to everyone as the beggar who sits by the side of the road and everyone who passes by. Bartimaeus stretches out his hand, perhaps, and he hopes someone will put some money into his hand. Why is he doing that? Well, he's blind. And that's all he can do. He can't work can't earn a living, he's dependent upon the charity of others. Yet here is Christ, and he's looking at Bartimaeus, and Christ asks Bartimaeus, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Now, if the need is obvious, why is Christ asking Bartimaeus that question? Bartimaeus has cried, have mercy on me. Christ has stopped and commanded that Bartimaeus be called. That is encouraging. It's encouraging perhaps for us here this evening. We may be one among many. But the Lord knows what is happening in our heart. He knows the desire in our heart. It's known to the Lord. You remember Nathaniel. And uh, Jesus, looking upon Nathanael, said, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. And Nathanael was one who was yet to be a, a disciple, uh, one obviously following Christ, but Christ knew the state of his heart, the desire that was there. When he was under the fig tree, Christ beheld him. And Christ beheld Bartimaeus and knew the desire that was in Bartimaeus and the, the yearning that was going up and now, of course, the cry that he sent out. And then he asks the question, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the reason Christ asked that is that Christ will always have us express in our own words, out of our own hearts, our need unto him. Christ knows everything. Uh, he can tell what is happening within our hearts. And uh, yet, we must still put it into words. And here we see the place of prayer. <coughs> seeking God. How do you seek God? You seek God in the Word, but you seek Him, do you not, also in prayer. Prayer is very personal. To go alone with God, to go into the secret place, and to bow your knees and your hearts to God, that is what we should be doing, and more than we do, because there's honesty there. We're genuine there. In public it is all too easy to do what is expected of us and to do it because it is expected. 
and not because it is necessarily our thought, sentiment, desire. But when you are alone and there's no one else watching, listening, that is the real individual. That is how that person truly is. And are we such as go alone and we pour out our heart to God? Not just a prayer that we've learned, something we are repeating, but in our own words, from the burden we have within, making our request known unto God. And so Bartimaeus did. It's interesting that when Christ asked Bartimaeus, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? It is very similar to what Christ asked James and John, the sons of Zebedee. What would ye that I should do for you? And of course, their request was a rather selfish one, a rather self-important one. Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. For well, that was not Christ to give, and they were not going to receive uh, an answer uh, that would suit them in connection with that request. But here was a request from Bartimaeus that the Lord would certainly be attentive to. What was it? Lord, that I might receive my sight. Oh, Lord, grant this. Grant this mercy. Grant this blessing. Honoring the Lord with the request <coughs> That is so very important. He's referred to Jesus as the son of David. Now he refers to him as Lord. He's recognizing that mercy and mercies are at Christ's disposal. We have no claim upon them ourselves, no right to them. They are of God's free gift. But if we honor the Lord in our asking, then we may be encouraged to believe that the Lord is willing. And if it is for our good and for his glory, then we shall receive what we ask of the Lord. And we believe that this was the prayer of faith of which James speaks that in connection with healing from affliction, but also in connection with any prayer, really, that we ask of God. It must be the prayer of faith. If we come to God and we have a request, but we have already almost at least decided in our hearts that we're not going to receive this thing from God, we certainly will not receive it unless and until we humble ourselves further and recognize that faith, the faith that obtains the blessing, is that faith which is of the operation of the Spirit in our hearts. And so we come, first of all, 
with that prayer of another. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. That's a good prayer. A very good prayer. Whenever we go to the throne of grace, that is being candid with God because our faith is so often mixed with a measure of unbelief. In Hebrews we are told, He that cometh unto God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And it may be that you are seeking a blessing from the Lord. Maybe that you're seeking the Lord himself to have mercy upon your soul. And you've gone to the Lord and you would say many times you've prayed the prayer that the Lord would be merciful to you and you do not yet have the sense <coughs> that the Lord has come to you in mercy and pardoned your sin. Go again to God. Go more empty than you have ever been of self and any resources that you might think you have. Go repenting even of your lack of faith and asking that the Lord would strengthen you inwardly even as you begin to pray and enable you to pray so that your prayer might indeed be the prayer of faith. And always have this in view. It is not so much in the end our faith or our earnestness or our persevering in prayer that obtains the blessing. It is, of course, Christ, the Christ in whose name we go. And how important it is that when we pray to God, we honor Jesus Christ as the mediator, the redeemer, the one by whose sacrifice, by whose blood, Alone we have access to God. But to go also with boldness. The boldness of true saving faith. To go to a covenant God. God who will withhold no good from his children. And who will bless them in wondrous ways when they truly pray. Spiritual sight is what we all need. It is a wonderful blessing to have natural sight. And it is indeed a handicap not to have it. But spiritual sight is the greatest sight of all. It's a miraculous thing. Moses saw him who is invisible. Moses even far off, as it were, in terms of when he lived, far off from the coming of the Redeemer, saw the Redeemer, saw him in uh, the Word of God, the, the promises, the prophecies, the types and figures, and Moses was willing to bear the reproach of Christ and to endure as a follower of Christ, we may say. He believed in a Redeemer, because he knew he needed a Redeemer 
and a divine Redeemer. And you can think of Job, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He's looking to Christ. And you can think of Abraham, uh, how he saw uh, the day of Christ and seeing it, he was glad. This spiritual sight, it's saving faith. Saving faith is spiritual sight. It enables the one who has it to enter into the unseen world. Uh, to understand in a measure those things which are not comprehensible to the natural senses, the natural mind. Faith, of course, belongs to the one who has been renewed, spiritually renewed. And so the faculties of the soul are now directed toward God and out of the word of God, the truth is believed and relied upon, especially the truth of Jesus Christ as the only Saviour from sin, the one in whom the mercy of God is so very full and so wonderfully free. Our final point is the gratitude Bartimaeus showed, and we have that in verse 52, and Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. For Bartimaeus has longed to have his sight. And ever since he heard of Jesus, he has been wandering in his own mind. Perhaps Jesus of Nazareth is the one who could grant me such a blessing. I'm a sinner. I deserve no good from God. But all that I hear concerning Jesus of Nazareth leads me to believe that if I make a request to him, then it may be granted to me. So it was. Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus says to him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Christ acknowledges the faith that is in this man's heart. Christ knows that it is there. And of course it is evident in the attitude of Bartimaeus, the way he honours the Lord and the way he makes his request to the Lord. As with the miracles of Christ we learn of in the Gospels, uh, the wonderful thing <coughs> is, is done in an instant. You see that with Christ giving sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, power of speech to those who are dumb, and healing those who are lame, and curing those who have leprosy, casting out demons. Christ speaks the word, sometimes he doesn't even speak a word. There's a command, because Christ has authority over these things. And in an instant, it is done. 
So the miracles of Christ stand out. They stand out also for this reason. The apostles performed miracles, but they did so in the Lord's name. Christ did them in his own name as the Son of God. What happens to Bartimaeus? That is surely of interest to us. Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Christ acknowledging this man's faith. Bartimaeus now acknowledging Jesus, acknowledging him as Lord. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And that is surely what a disciple is. One who goes after Christ, desires to be in his company, to be taught by him, and in some way to serve him. <coughs> Bartimaeus obviously left all. In the case of Bartimaeus, that not, may not have been very much at all. Others such as the disciples themselves, were called upon by Christ uh, to leave all behind. That may be a challenge to those who would follow Christ. The change that must happen in the priorities you have in life, nothing must come before Christ, he must have the preeminent place. And it may be that you have to leave even family behind. That's not to say that you abandon your family, certainly not to say that you forget them, but it is to say that you put Christ first and your desire for those who might stand in the way of you following Christ is that they too would come to know the Lord and you will love them more than you did before. You will love them for Christ's sake and it will be a purer love and it will be a love that desires the very best thing for them, the very best thing for each and every one of us in this world is to know Jesus Christ. What is there at the end of a Christless life? Only misery and utter woe and desolation and punishment and the torment of conscience and the awful thought this is forever and there's no deliverance and indeed those in hell do not cease to sin. They add fuel to the flames. Or the greatest thing we can do for our loved ones is to pray for them, bear witness to them concerning our beloved Saviour. Bartimaeus has gratitude to the Lord and he has joy in the Lord. So he follows Jesus. And he follows Jesus in the way. And that 
is perhaps descriptive for us, not simply of following the steps of Christ literally, but spiritually also. Walking as Jesus walked. Walking by faith. Walking in love to God. In the friendship and fellowship that God affords his people. Walking in the paths of righteousness. That is where the Lord leads his people. Always leads his people. Christians are called to a life of faith, trust in Jesus Christ, dependence upon his grace, but to a life of holiness also. And we may say that that is our greatest concern, or should be, true holiness of life. That itself speaks to the world. They may want to hide from it, but when someone who perhaps has been known as a a sinner, even in some open or public way, is converted to Christ, and there is a radical change in that person's life, their whole outlook, their affections, interests in life, aims and ambitions in life, that does speak. And the world must wonder at it and ask, well, how has this happened? And then, of course, they know, well, he now follows Jesus. He always speaks of Jesus. He lives for Jesus. And it is indeed Christ who makes the transformation in the life of a sinner. There's a new birth, a new life, and of course there's growth in that life. And while we are here, much sin remains in us. We betray ourselves by that. But there is a change, and a noticeable one, And that itself is a witness. Before there are any words, any preaching, a changed life. And we believe that that was to be seen in Bartimaeus. Not simply that he had his natural sight, but that he had spiritual sight. And by faith, he would go with Christ. Despite the difficulties that might be, head for him and it is so with every child of God there are not many leaders in this world who say to those who would follow them if you come after me I'll give you a cross something heavy to bear something difficult for you something you will not want to carry and yet You must, and you will, because I will be there with you to hold you up under it. You will feel yourself to be weak, but my grace is sufficient for you. Christ says, if any man would come after him, he must deny himself, take up his cross, 
and follow him. Bartimaeus would have a cross. We don't know what it is. Maybe to do with his own family. But um, Bartimaeus would bear that cross in following Christ. <coughs> following Jesus in the way. Openly. Having received spiritual sight. Now there may be those who have received spiritual sight. Who have a true saving faith in Christ. But they're not yet following Christ publicly. And we wish to address a word to them. To be a disciple of Christ, a believer in Christ is the main thing. To have a union with Christ by faith. That is the way to blessing. To eternal life. But if we have Christ in our lives. Should that not be known. Made known. By us. Should it not be that we declare. In a public way. Our love. For our Lord and Saviour. That is not boasting, it's not glorying in self, not at all. It's giving all the glory to Christ, glorying in his cross, by which we are crucified to the world and the world to us. And we honour Christ when we confess him, and we get a blessing for our own souls when we confess him. Many believers do struggle with assurance of faith and salvation. And we find that many Christians who've taken that step, they've got strength to take that step, to own Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Well, the Lord has honored that, strengthened their assurance, and given them much heavenly comfort that they know now but they are indeed the Lord's. I am my beloved's. He is mine. Gratitude to the Lord for salvation and the gratitude shown in a life that is now consecrated to Christ, whom we see not with natural sight, but with the eye of faith and with the understanding of faith. And we love him, what we know of him. And we pray that we would love him more and more and be faithful to his cause. May Christ be precious to all here. And if he is, let that be known. May the Lord bless his word. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our God, we are thankful for thy dealings with Bartimaeus, and we pray that thou would have dealings with each and every one of us here in terms of faith, what it is to believe savingly upon Jesus Christ and to have him ever in view, looking unto Jesus as we continue in the way, the way everlasting.
and grant to thine own people that they will uh, be such as honour Christ in their daily walk, in every aspect of their life, uh, that in our dark day we would be shining lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Take away our sins, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. We shall sing to God's praise in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and at verse 33. Verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the perfect way of thy precepts divine, and to observe it to the end I shall my heart incline. Give understanding unto me, so keep thy law shall I. Yea, even with my whole heart I shall observe it carefully. In thy law's path make me to go, for I delight therein. My heart unto thy testimonies and not to greed incline. Turn thou away my sight and eyes from viewing vanity, and in thy good and holy way be pleased to quicken me. Psalm 119 from verse 33 to verse 37. Teach me, O Lord, the perfect way. Teach me, O Lord, the
The intimations are as follows. Prayer meeting is on Thursday at 7.30pm and will be taken by Mr. Ian Martin. Uh, there is a change to the intimation earlier today regarding the services next Sabbath, which are at the usual times of 11am and 6.30pm. Reverend Trevor Kirkland is unable to come and the services next Sabbath will be taken by the Reverend John Angus Gillis. The Scottish Reformation Society has an online meeting next Friday at the 6th of May and the subject is Robert Candlish and the Doctrine of Sonship. The speaker is the Reverend Ian MacLeod from the USA. The meeting begins at 7.30pm. The contact details are as on the leaflet, on the table, in the vestibule, and also on the Scottish Reformation Society website. Then regarding Mrs. Clark. Mrs. Clark is making steady progress, and depending on satisfactory blood test results, is hoping to be allowed home in a few days' time. These are the intimations, all God willing, we shall conclude with the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.